Welcome back to the Cheap Heat Productions podcast. Welcome back to the show and today on the podcast I have a man that's been part of a band that has sold 15 million records worldwide. Mr. Cole McLaughlin from Sum 41, how are you today man? I'm alright, thanks. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Uh, at the moment live music is not allowed in Ireland, would you believe? It's uh, it's sad, it's sad. I mean, so you guys have no shows in Ireland at all. I mean, yeah, I guess there's shows going on a little bit in Canada right now. I'm in Toronto. Um, I guess in, in a little bit in the U.S., but that's unfortunate. You know, I, hopefully uh, Ireland is such a great place to play. And yeah. uh, it's unfortunate that there's no shows there right now. Yeah, the U.K. is pretty much open for shows like Bloodstock happened there last week and stuff. So the U.K. are doing shows, but we're unfortunately not. Even Belfast, which is in Ireland, but part of the U.K., there's shows happening there. But So people okay. from Ireland now are now going to Belfast and getting the plane over to England to go to shows yeah yeah it's uh yeah i know i know i mean we're not really we're not playing right now but i know a lot of bands are yeah we're, we're not we're so spread out like i mean there it, it's too much logistical crap to us for us to get together right now um with quarantining and everything so it's 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 difficult yeah so what's the last year and a half been like for you because you guys are kind of always on the road aren't you yeah uh well yeah when we have a new album out or um we decide to go on a, a touring cycle we're out for you know probably seven eight months of the year um so yeah it's been a little different i mean i have two kids so um and they were you know my six i have a six-year-old he was out of school so i was basically um a grade one teacher <laughs> for yeah. a lot of the year you know and uh you know trying to just navigate through being teaching a kid online it's just strange because obviously us growing up we never did it yeah um and then you know then the two-year-old i have a two-year-old and she's just um you know she's just a ball of energy so it's yeah i've been just kind of catching up on parenting really yeah but it's been good i suppose from that perspective just to have that family time which you don't get in the long cycles yeah yeah i mean uh, the first year of my daughter's life um i was away quite a bit and so, I mean, I feel like she didn't know who I was every time I'd come home, come home for like a week or two. And she kind of looked at me strange, like, who's this man in my house? And, and then he's gone again. Uh, so, you know, I got to know my daughter a little bit over the time, <laughs> which has been good. They're going to miss you like crazy when you do have to go back on the road, I think, now. Yeah, my son's pretty used to it, like, he because he's six. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think now that they're used to me home and being around, it's going to be different. What does he think of the band? Oh, he loves the band. I, I I hear the thing is I've been off the road and I've been I've had a break from Sum Forty One for the last year and a half, but I haven't really because my son 
just plays it on YouTube every day. And he plays, <laughs> he's in the drums, so he's playing, he, I hear it and he's playing drums to our songs on YouTube. And it's, this is every day. Like, I don't, I don't really get a break from Sum 41 at all. I just yeah. hear it all the time in the house. Or she knows it's nice too. It's nice that he's into it. Yeah, so he's gonna play the drums, is he? I, I hope not, but it's looking that way. Yeah. For, <laughs> for yourself then, did you start off as a bassist or what way did you become involved in music as a child? Yeah, when I was 14 and I was going into the ninth grade, it was the summer and um, my friends had bought a guitar. I lived in a court and right across the street and beside me, two friends um, each bought a guitar and then my friend down the road already had a drum set. Um, so they said to me, and I was like, oh man, and they're starting a little band and it's like, oh man, I want to be in the band. And they're like, well, the only way you can really be in the band is we're kind of, we're missing a bass, bass, bass guitar player. And I was like, I have no fucking clue what a bass guitar is. Because um, I was 14, you know, and the internet wasn't around. And, you know, so I was just I was just a music fan, but I didn't really know what anything was really yet. Um, so I just, I went up to the local music store and got the cheapest bass I could find. Uh, but I had to look like Chris's from Nirvana. Uh, mm -hmm. Black, and I was really into Nirvana. And, um, and so I just, that, yeah, I was like basically forced into playing the bass. Yeah, and you were touching on Nirvana there. What other influences did you have kind of starting in the band? That whole, yeah, the whole um, Nirvana scene, like the grunge thing, like Dinosaur Jr., Sonic Youth, um, and, you know, a lot of stuff that was on the radio in Toronto at the time. You know, I was 14, so I was pretty into the radio. Um, and then, you know, slowly, when I joined Sum 41 in 1998, um, I got more into like stuff they were listening to like you know no effect pennywise bad religion rancid you know socal punk thing and um you know that and they kind of introduced me heavily into that more and mm. and metal too like i always liked metal growing up um you know the first heavy metal record i ever listened to was injustice for all and uh but you know that you know derek and steve and dave they're really into other stuff i mean iron maiden i hadn't really heard before they showed it to me um and you know stuff like that so you know it's kind of changed over time and how did you end up joining the band well in 98 in the summer of 98 they went on this little east coast tour of canada for about a week or two and they got to a big van accident and their old bass player was driving at the time and uh i guess it shook him up and he quit the band when they got home and so they had a bunch of shows coming up that they had booked um, throughout the year and then starting in 1999 um, and they just said you know we are all friends like so we all went to high school together and mm -hmm. they just said you know we're in a real situation we don't have a bass player now we have all these shows lined up do you think you could just fill in for us like, yeah 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 that's fine and um so i just started going to rehearsals with them and playing and then we started playing shows and then at the beginning you know i think you know near the end of 98 or the beginning of 99 it was, it was clear that i was um, they liked me in the band and I liked being in the band. And so I just have to tell my other band, you know, I just, you know, some 41, they, you know, they had more of a drive than my band and, and they played mm -hmm. a lot. And, uh, I liked, I always wanted to play more, but my other band, the singer really didn't like playing live. So I was like, what, what the hell are we doing here? Like, I just don't want to practice in a basement for the rest of my life. And so yeah. Yeah, it was an opportunity for, to join a band that liked to play. Yeah, and plus, like, if we talk about the music industry as it is now, like, there's very little money to be made in record sales these days. Like, back in the day when you guys, that was kind of the end of it, maybe around 2000s and stuff like that. But now you have to be on the road to make your money. Do you find that? 
Yeah, it's it's always kind of been like that for us. Even, um, you know, I remember <laughs> after our first album with Fat Lip and Into Deep, like All Killer, our first full length album, um, we came home off that and we still lived in our parents' house. Like mm -hmm. we sold three million albums around the world and we all drove home after the end of the tour and kind of we went home to our parents' house. And we yeah. just made, we had just made the record company millions and millions of dollars but we we are still we have had ourselves on an eight hundred dollar a month salary <laughs> you know and yeah. Uh, so yeah i think you're right in the way that it's always kind of like that for bands um even more so now because you know streaming doesn't really pay mm -hmm. uh, so you kind of always have to be on the road and yeah. which is you know which is fine for us because that's what we do anyway that's what it's always been for us you know we've yeah. always been long tours so I had Brendan Brown, uh, singer of Wheatus, on the show a couple of months ago, and he was kind of echoing what you said there about touring and stuff, and there's just no money to be made in the record, the records for them. Yeah, and you know, even with touring, to tell you the truth, like, I think people think that if you're playing massive, big places, you're you're making millions and millions of dollars, which isn't true. You know, it's there's so many expenses, um, like you're paying for your road crew, you're paying for your bus, which is could be $1,000 a day. Then you're staying in hotels and you're paying for everyone's hotels. So, you, you know, if you have 12 people on your band and crew, you're paying for 12 hotels every time you're in a hotel. So, I mean, there's just so many expenses and, um, you know, even, even with touring. So, you know, there's always the myth of um, bands making tons and tons of money all the time. And it's just not true. Yeah. And plus the renting of the venue, which is probably the most expensive thing of it all. Yeah. You know, I don't even, I, I don't get into that side of it. Cause that, yeah, yeah agent and stuff like that but um i just know that we're always paying out a lot you know your manager's taking a cut of everything your agent takes a cut and then as a band you're paying for everything along the way yeah so, i see I, I don't i hate to complain about it. I, i'm not meaning to complain about it, but there it's just that's the way it is and um uh you know but we're you know we could anyone in we could always quit and do something else but um i you know for me i love it and and uh we'll just have to see this pandemic out and start doing it start doing it again yeah when did you know that the band was going to hit the the heights of being on tv and all that kind of thing in the early 2000s when like when you went to record the video we say for fat lip did you have any idea how far that would go no no um because you know we had we had our first album before that half hour power and it didn't get played like we had this song called makes no difference and it didn't get played on mtv or hardly got played in canada it got played a little bit so, I mean, you just don't really have high hopes for that kind of stuff. And uh, the funny thing about MTV is when we made Fat Lip, we put Pain for Pleasure on the end of it, yeah. on the end of the video, and we made it as one video. And, and you know, when MTV picked it up and started playing it, they also decided to play Pain for Pleasure on the end, which you never really see too much on MTV is like playing like double video. Um, so, yeah, I think the first time, we always talk about like the first time we ever really saw MTV because we're Canadian and we didn't have MTV in Canada was, was when we were on it. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're all over MTV. You're like, we, we don't have MTV in Canada. <laughs> you know, we can't even see ourselves on TV. And have you got MTV in Canada these days? Yeah, I think MTV came in around in the late 2000s or mid 2000s, but we always had something called much music. Yeah, there's no music on MTV anyway, so. No music on MTV either, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing you guys for the first time on Kerrang! over here. That was the first time I seen you, and we had MTV as well, and they were playing. I think maybe it was TRL. They used to do that show, and you were on that as well. Yeah. But, uh, you guys done the Kerrang tour over in Ireland, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, a few times. Yeah, twenty. I seen a video earlier from twenty sixteen in the 
academy it was absolutely jammed yeah it looked, re looked really really good yeah that was cool because um that was one of our first tours back after being off for about two years when derek had his health problems mm -hmm. um yeah we hadn't played in a year and a half almost two years so that was i think that kerrang tour in 2016 was like basically the first tour back yeah i've been to a few kerrang tours like kerrang was kind of the big channel over here for people like me to like rock music you know yeah. and then we'd see you guys maybe on mtv or mtv2 as well yeah 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 <clears throat> one of the things people were asking me to ask you about was the video for in too deep and how much fun you had making it because it just looks like you did yeah that that video um <laughs> yeah that was that felt the the you know what you'd picture filming a movie that's kind of what it felt like because now we've done mm -hmm. so many videos since and they've never really felt like quite like that that mm -hmm. was that was definitely the biggest production video we've ever done two day it was a two-day shoot um we did a, the first day i believe we did the um the the pool stuff um with the stunt divers and all that kind of stuff and you know dave being chained to a hydraulic thing in the in the pool and being lowered and you, yeah. know, you know underneath there's like security divers in case like you know the thing malfunctions they have to like take his feet out and make yeah. sure he doesn't die underwater <laughs> i don't know why he ever agreed, agreed to that but he did. Um, well, it, it looked cool though it looks cool yeah it, yeah. Was, it was watching it it looked dangerous um mm. But uh, yeah, I mean that that it was probably one of the more fun shoots we've ever done. Um, you know, all the pe all the people in the stands were all just fans of ours. That um, I guess because Fat Lip had already come out, so we had been gaining some fans. So mm -hmm. you know, those are people just we just sent out you know mailing list stuff like, hey, we're shooting a video, come come hang out, and those are all the people that showed up. Um, so it was cool. It was a uh, it was I remember it was you know it was based after um, a movie called Back to School. Okay. It was Rodney Dangerfield, and it was an '80s movie, and uh, so that pool was actually the same pool they filmed the movie in as well. Yeah. So That's um, cool. cool little fact there. Yeah. That era, though, like I was say, what age was I when that came out? Uh, Thirteen. Like you know, when I when I remember music, I remember guys like you, like Linkin Park, like Limp Bizkit, all kind of on mainstream MTV at that time. Like it was a great time for kind of rock music, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like that was a, like, um, yeah, I mean, through the, through like the late nineties into the mid two thousands, it seemed like our style of music and everything was like booming. And, um, and, and again, like you said before, it was kind of the last era before kind of Napster hit. And then the music industry started ha having to change, you know, because um people weren't um buying as many albums anymore they're getting music other ways and so that causes the record company not you know to kind of pull back a little bit and have to re reimagine their business model and all this stuff so it just uh yeah that was kind of like i guess like the heyday for our style of music um before everything changed and you know and everything changed and everything went to streaming eventually and which i also think is cool because you know, I thought a lot of um, kids and stuff are discovering bands, you know, bands like us that, you know, we're, you know, old, older now, like, you know, I'm 41 this year, you know, a 19 year old can go on Spotify and discover some 41 for the first time, which is, it, it's really cool that way. You're going to be 41 in some 41. That's cool. All of us, Derek, Dave and I this year, 41. Derek's already 41. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what was it going to say? In I seen you guys. Um, I was looking up a few videos earlier, and I seen you guys done Reading with uh, Mike Shinoda doing yeah. a few Linkin Park songs. That was really cool. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was uh, that was cool. I mean, he that was kind of a spur of the moment type thing. Like it was probably a week or two we put that together. Um, we just found it that we we're playing, you know, after playing the same festival together, and obviously Chester passing away, um, felt like it was you know a cool thing to do with him, and he was into it. Um, so yeah, we did actually both, both of them. Um, yeah. yeah, that was, that was great. That's a great song. Yeah. Derek done a good job on it as well. Yeah. He kind of like, if you close your eyes, it almost sounds like Chester, yeah. <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is hard to do. Yeah. What's the, what's your guys' favorite city or country to play in? Oh man. Um, like you say, if, if there's a couple of standout shows that you've done and standout festivals, maybe, maybe favorite is the wrong word to say. You just piss off people. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm not just saying it, but England is definitely up there. But I, I would think um, for me, I really love going to Japan. Uh, mm. I love, I mean, it doesn't really matter what city. I guess Tokyo is amazing. Osaka is amazing too. Um, but I don't know, just the culture there is so different than what I'm used to in Toronto. Um, and the shows, like it's everyone, you know, all the fans are very, very uh, enthusiastic. And um, it's it's funny to play there because when, when you play the song, everyone freaks out in the audience and everyone goes crazy. And then when you stop the song, everyone just stares at you and is completely silent. silent. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like you can hear like a pin drop in the audience. They're so quiet in between songs because they want to hear what you have to say. Um, and then yeah. the song starts back up and they go bonkers again. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, a, I, it's a cool I experience. Heard, yeah, I heard that from, I do have a lot of wrestlers on the show and different musicians and they all say the same thing. It's just the respectful nature of the people, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, they don't, like, shows there, you don't really see too many fights. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, uh, yeah, it's like a respect thing. Like, they just are there to have a good time. There's pits and circle pits and the whole thing, but you never really have to stop a show because there's, like, a big fist fight in the audience like you would get in a lot of places in the world, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> What's, what was the last show you guys played? Oh, uh, it was in Europe. We did a European tour in two th 20, beginning of 2020, January, February. Um, I believe it was probably in Germany. I think we ended that. Mm. It was being on the road. February. Do you miss being on the road? Obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's just cause it's, it's kind of what we're used to doing. You know, we, we started heavily touring in 1999 and we kind of went, we've kind of been going since then and uh except for that kind of year and a half two-year break um for derek um yeah. that was uh that kind of feels like now you know you're kind of caught in this uh thing of like not knowing what to do with your life <laughs> yeah. Yeah. are we ever going to do this again and yeah you really miss it and uh and the it feels the same because during that time when derek was kind of going through what he was going through you didn't have a a point where you knew you were going back and that's yes. kind of what we feel like now like we have some stuff booked next year but it, it everything seems to always get canceled or pushed back so um it, it's kind of feeling like the same like we don't know when we're actually going to go back yeah see on your website you're looking up on your website it looks like summer 22 in europe isn't it yeah we're supposed to be in australia i think at, um in april or something like that with the offspring um but that that tour has been pushed back three times now, so 
And the back of my mind, I'm always kind of like, well, that's just going to get pushed back again, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's like a, it's one of those things I don't get really excited because I know chances are things might move again and I hope not, but that's just the reality of it right now, you know? Yeah. And Australia is pretty, pretty strict over there as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, their vaccination starting to ramp up, so hopefully everything will be good. Yeah. And the offspring are actually supposed to play in Ireland in December. Uh, I can't remember who's supporting them over here. It's not you guys anyway, but um, no. I, I can't see it happening, unfortunately. Oh, is it? I think the Hives are, right? Yes, that's it, the Hives. Yeah, that would be a good show. Great show, yeah. I love the Hives. Yeah, but uh, it's one of those things where you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I know. It's it's so up in the air and uh, Oh well, what can you do? <laughs> we'll talk about the good times. It in festivals in Europe, uh you guys have probably much nearly done it all. Is there any festivals over here that stand out? Um yeah, I mean obviously Reading and Leeds. Um and we did download. So those would probably be the three. Um trying to think of the other ones we've done. Rock and Ring. Oh, like in Europe. Yeah, I thought you meant, uh, yeah, yeah, Rock and Ring, Rock and Park for sure. Um, mm. Those are great in Germany. Um, there's uh, Pink Pop and Tuco Pop, like in the Netherlands and stuff like that. And and every, you know, in Italy, um, for one reason or another, we'd be, like, well, that's one of our biggest markets in the world now is Italy. Yeah. Um, so we play some festivals down there. Like we played I days and stuff like that. And every time we play in Italy, it's, it's always crazy. And we're getting, for some reason, we throughout our career, we just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger in Italy and it's still going. And we don't really know why, because Italy for the, for the majority of time we've been going over there, we've always been told Italy's really a pop market. And yeah. when we look at our, us and it's just like, well, how do bands like us and Lincoln park and blink kind of break through that. And we, and brands like us have, and, we don't know the answer and we're not asking questions, but every time we go to Italy, it's, it's crazy. Like we played, we played our own show in front of them, like 10,000 people there. Wow. Um, it was one of the biggest headline shows we've ever done and don't know why. Yeah. Big up Italy. Yeah, definitely. What do you think about playing at a festival? Um, as opposed to playing your own show, do you enjoy that? Or do you just kind of, when you're making your festival set list, right? It's just gotta be, all the hits that people know from TV and that's it. Do you enjoy that? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, um, the festival set list is going to be more hits and singles and stuff like that. Um, whereas, you know, playing your own shows, yeah, you can get into more album tracks and deeper songs. Um, but I, I really like festivals because it gives me, I mean, for me being a music fan and being a live music fan, it gives me a chance to go see all these bands that yeah. you know I don't have time to see cause I'm always on the road. So, um that's what i really like about you know and also you know we're we've come from a a thing of we always feel the need to um impress the audience and make new fans all the time we come from that um i don't want to say punk thing but i guess it is like we're always trying to win over a new crowd and that's kind of how we've been through our career um, yeah. no matter when you know no matter if we were selling three million albums or whatever it was um, we are always in our mind. We have to, we have to try and, uh, slay this audience to make new fans. And that's what festivals make you do because not everyone's there for you. Um, yeah. so you, you know, you're going to walk away with maybe some new fans at the end of it. Which is yeah. Good. I had a guitarist on from Fuzzy, uh, Chris Jericho's band. And he said, yeah. Billy, Billy said that, uh, people at festivals just want to hear hooks. 
I think that's probably the the truest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and I think if you for a band like us, because we've been playing, you know, for over twenty years and we have like a catalog now, I think people don't even sometimes realize that some of the songs are ours. <laughs> you know, so yeah. if they're at a festival, they're like, Oh, I didn't know they did that one. Oh, that one too. I didn't know they did that one. So all of a sudden it, you know, then it's the wheels start turning in people's minds, like, oh maybe maybe I do like this band. And yeah. I didn't even know it. Yeah, listen man, uh it was a great catch up with you today and I hope that you guys can get back on the road in some capacity soon anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope so too. And uh I hope to be over in Ireland. We haven't played there in a little while, but um we'll we'll be back, I'm sure, as soon as we can. Beers on me. I'll hold you to that for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Guinness. awesome. Points of Guinness. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. All right. Thanks for having me.